0: Good morning everyone and welcome to episode 252 of the Ask the Coach show where ping skills helps you improve your table tennis. In the show today we'll discuss the upcoming European Olympic qualification tournaments and answer your questions on the rules in doubles, receiving tactics in doubles and regaining form after a short break. I'm Jeff Plum and as always Supercoach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions, welcome, Alloys. Uh, thank you, Jeff. And
1: it has been a while. It's been a week. Yes,
0: it does. Uh, does seem like a, a long time since we did a show. Um, yeah, we've had. I've had a good little break, Alois That's um, good. Holidays here. Um, my son got to train with the Geelong Cats and Australian Rules Football Team. So he's he's had a good holiday. I'm sure he has.
1: That would have been
0: uh, pretty exciting. Yes, and I've yes. just been. Uh,
1: out and about in a few different places with work. So into went to Canberra and Adelaide, but uh, yeah, we're we're back. Great. Any number crunching? Uh, No, it wasn't actually at the Bureau of Statistics in Canberra. Um, No, just uh, at the AIS, the Australian Institute of Sport.
0: Okay, excellent. All right, now, Alois, because we've been away for a while, I think we should hit the audience hard with the best segment this day in history, What Happened? on the 11th of april
1: well it is a big day in table tennis it is the birthdays of jiang jialiang and kinta Matsudaira. so
0: wow there you go so if you're born on the 11th of april things are looking up for you in your table tennis
1: yeah and also and also uh Aussie table tennis player, Anna Du, who's now in the UK working. So, uh, yes, so she also shares a big birthday uh, with Jiang Jialiang and Kenta Matsudira. And I still remember watching Jiang play Waldner in the final of the uh, 1987 World Championships in, uh, in Delhi in India. Uh, it was a huge match.
0: Wow, good memories, good memories. Well, happy birthday, Jiang and uh, Kenta. And, and I do. Very good. Now, alloys. at the moment there is um, Olympic qualifications going on around the world and shortly the European Olympic qualification is about to begin. Who's looking good for that and um, what do we need to know about the Olympic qualifications in Europe?
1: Yeah, so um, so probably the first thing is that they were changed, so they were going to be in Istanbul, uh, but uh, now now they're in uh, in Hamstad in Sweden. So starting tomorrow, the twelfth of April, twelfth to the sixteenth, and lots and lots of table tennis um, to be uh, to be played there. So if you're anywhere near Hamstad, it would be absolutely sensational to get down there and uh, and watch some of the European um, Olympic qualification. So the big names in the men's um, Samsonov, the number one seed, so you know, it's, it's amazing at his age. Um, Timo Boll, Marcus Freitas, uh, and then Gassina Apollonio, Shabaev, Simone Gozi, um, Fegarel, so yeah, a whole, um, whole host of uh super players, Pagarel right. in there with his Pagarel serve. Um, where were go, Pitt- Sorry.
0: Is Ovtcharov in
1: there? No, oh, so was already qualified because he won the. Uh, they had a world, a, a European tournament last year, so um, yeah, so he's already got a qualification spot. But it, in this um, in this tournament, there are ten qualification spots up for grabs. So um, so it's, yeah, it's quite a lot of spots, and it's a, it's a complex system. But basically, what it'll work out to is that, that there will be eight. Uh, there'll be some preliminary matches um, and then the top eight seeds are put into a group each um, and then um, they'll play there'll be eight players in that pool and they play a tournament and the winner of that tournament gets a qualification spot so in each of the eight um, eight spots and then there'll also be another tournament after that with everyone that's remaining that's missed out. Um, for another two uh, qualification spots. So,
0: yeah. Ah, uh, okay. I guess just it's such a big region and they need to do it kind of quickly. Yeah, so that is interesting, isn't it, that they separate them out into eight sort of separate tournaments. So the top players might not even play each other.
1: Yeah, they won't. Yeah.
0: Another, but there's still another two spots yeah. after that if one of those top players happen to lose in, in one of those tournaments.
1: Yeah, correct. So, uh, and... And, and the field's pretty deep, you know. I mean, uh, uh, Stefan Fegarel's number eight, you know. Christian Carlson's number nine, Pargarel 10. Um, then Stego Jonas, yeah. So Liam Pitchford in there at number 14. You know, we saw his, um, his uh, heroics at the World Championships. So, um, yeah, so definitely a big open tournament.
0: Absolutely. And, the,
1: and on the women's side... Um, so uh, Han Ying from Germany. The uh, Germans take up the first three spots. Uh, so Han Ying, uh, Patricia Solia, and Shiona Shan um, all take up the first three. Then uh, Malik Hu from Turkey, uh, Lee Jia from Netherlands, Li Qian from Poland. Um, so, yeah. Uh,
0: That's because if they separate, say, the Germans into the top groups, they might end up in three... Different groups not play each other. All qualify, but only two get to go. So yes,
1: um, they in the in the document that I saw, they hadn't yet worked out how they were going to do that. They obviously have done now. Um, how they were going to play those players off? So if there were three Germans, for example, that won the the eight groups or uh, won their group each, um, they would have to play off in some way against each other uh, for the two spots.
0: Mm, Interesting. Okay, so maybe they stick him in the same group, but is that fair? I don't know. We'll, we'll find uh, out a bit um, more.
1: Yeah, no, it specifically says that they separate the country, the players from the same country into different groups. So Okay, yeah. that makes sense.
0: All right, yeah, so, yeah, if you're anywhere near the qualifying... Hamstead, get down and watch it. Um Otherwise, hopefully IGTF will stream it on their YouTube channel or something like that, so we'll be able to see some of the exciting matches. Um, Yeah, great to watch people trying to qualify for Rio. All right. Now, that moves us on to today's Ping Skillers question of the day, which is, who is your favorite European men's and women's player? So jump onto our Facebook page or onto the Pink Skills blog and let us know who's your favourite European players from the men and the women. All right, and the last Pink Skillers question of the day that we had was: What do you serve at match point? What are, what are people doing, Alice? Are they changing things up? Are they just going for their favourite serve?
1: Yeah, we had uh, had a lot of comments. So um, so Manuel said. If you, in my opinion, you should not serve different, uh, whether it's match point or six all. Your strategy should be the same, which guarantees you at any given saw the most probability to make a point. Um, so there you go. Some nice advice there. Um, and then a f- quite a few people have, you know, nominated the, the exact type of serve they're going to do. So uh, Thad said a long, fast, no-spin serve. Um, t- <coughs> Timmy said... <coughs> Short, heavy side spin to the backhand. Uh, Luke said, it depends on which serve has worked in the match. I think that's really good advice. Um, also, on how I judge they will play, if they're going to be more reserved with their return, I will serve a top spin disguised as back or a serve how are you going there,
0: Alice. Sounds like your voice is uh, struggling. Hey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: words. no, yeah, just a tickle in the throat. But okay. uh, all going well. Um, yeah, so... Quite a few different uh, ideas there. And uh, Philip Boyle said, um, I genuine, genuinely produce a fault in such situations. Very
0: <laughs> Oh, dear. Poor old Philip. <laughs> yes. That is good. Yes. Um, so what are your thoughts on this, alloys? Um, I kind of like the logic of uh, Manuel, was it, at the start? Yes. Um, that said, you know, you should serve the... the ball that's going to give you the biggest probability of winning. I mean, that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think you've got to be careful. If you if you go for the the big serve, the hero serve, the long, fast serve, for example, um, it's, it's a real risk, isn't it? You know, because if, if your opponent is switched on and sees that ball long, they're just going to attack you and then you're in a really bad position. You know, for me, it's better to play... Um, your the shorter serve the serve that's been winning you a bulk of your points and go with that um on on a match point
0: Mm, indeed yep, good advice all right let's get on to some questions alloys um we've got quite a few um people that have asked a question live on the show using the google q a uh button and anyone can do that by going to our google plus page and finding the latest show and you just click the button that says Q and A and ask your question. And first up, Ali says, "I miss Panda. Where is
1: he?" Ah, uh, poor Panda. He has been a little bit um, under the weather lately. So um, yeah, but he he will be back. He's been he's been training hard. Um, the uh, Olympics and Paralympics coming up for him. So you know he has been he has been in. Full, solid training. But, yeah, this last few days, I'm a bit worried about Panda.
0: Mm, indeed, yes. But uh, thanks, uh, Ali, for thinking about Panda. Next up is a question from Victory, who says, how do I attack a long sidespin serve that goes straight into the middle? It's pretty fast, and I can't get in, in any position for the topspin. How can I attack effectively? I don't have the reflexes to move my feet and make the stroke in time. Help. Ah, uh, Brocky, victory. Um, so if you are
1: um, in a good balanced ready position to start with, it'll make it a bit, e- bit easier. Make sure you've got your feet nice and wide and balanced so that if that ball does come to the middle, that you can even just sway out of the way to make that um. Top spin. so if you've got a really narrow stance and you try to um, move you're going to topple over if you've got a nice broad stance and move then you're still going to be balanced you're going to be able to make that ball really quickly uh, in the middle if you haven't got time to move your feet I mean ideally obviously you want to move your feet into position first but if that if you're saying that you haven't got time the ball's coming too quickly then just being able to sway um out of the way and make that uh, top spin is probably the best option for you.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And in terms of actually, you know, improving your reflexes and being able to move into position, I guess that's more about, you know, watching the ball really closely. If you're watching that serve well, you probably can pick up that it's coming fast and long to your middle and just give yourself a little bit of extra time to get into position to make that ball. So, um, yeah, keep that in mind, Victor. All right, and Ali says, good luck, Panda. Thanks, Ali. We'll pass that, uh, your good wishes on to Panda. Yeah, and I just
1: don't know which, um, which qualification zone he's going to be able to play in, though. Um, I, I guess
0: Asia. I guess so. Good question. <laughs> All right. Um, now, Victor E's got a couple more questions. He says, um, I watched Wilder's matches in his prime. He had great speed, power, control, etc." I think I agree about what you said before, that he could play against modern players if it was in their era. But I think Waldner, even in his prime, would have a bit of trouble. Um, it's always an interesting one, isn't it, Alois? I think, um, yeah, like I said, we've, we discussed this before on the show and there was an interview with um, Jorgen Persson who said that he thinks that you know they would the Swedes would have been able to find a way to um, beat the Chinese because um, I guess they were used to winning so much that you know that's a strong belief he would have.
1: Yeah, that's right. And whoever knows, but um, yeah, I'll, I'm I'm with uh, I'm with the Swedes. I think they would have found a way um, to develop, especially with that that strong group of players they had at that at that time. You know, push all pushing each other. Waldner, Persson, Applegren, Lind. Um, yeah, it was a huge huge group and hugely. Um, Hugely talented group of players that came through all at the same time.
0: Certainly was, Um, yes. But also great to see, you know, how Marlong's just kept on raising that level more and more. And he is unbelievable. All right. um, The next question from Victory is, when is the next world tour? Um, And the next world tour is the Polish Open from the 20th to the 24th of April in Warsaw. Um, so that should be an exciting event. Uh, you can check out more about it on the ITTF website. Um, and, look, Victory is on a roll, Aloys. His next question is, do you think you can switch your power um, of practice Never. skills? Jeff trying the spin catcher and Aloys trying the table tapper. Hmm. Hmm.
1: Yes. Yeah, I might have a go at the old table tapper at some stage, see how I go. Yeah, yeah. I think
0: you'll get pretty good at it pretty quickly, Alois. You've got good touch. Alois is returning those little short serves, so I'm sure the table tapper will be right up his alley. Um, Exactly. And, you know, yeah, um, not right at the moment, but I will try that spin catcher. It looks very, very difficult. Um, have you been practicing at all your spin catcher? <laughs>
1: Interestingly, I was in Adelaide on the weekend and someone said, oh, I can't do the spin catcher, and I tried to do it 10 times. No good,
0: Need no good. Uh, yeah. So, it's
1: been so it's been what 11 days. So, it's you know, 11 days since I practiced it, and there is a marked drop in ability.
0: Wow, maybe you should just do like one or two every time before you start practice or coaching. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) let's get on to some more questions. Um, Johan wants us to clarify some rules about doubles. He says, I've understood that you serve against different players every set, but what determines who serves first in the set after the first one, and do you change the serving order in the deciding set?
1: Yes, it is a bit complex. So... um, if I was serving to Jeff in the first game, then in the second game, Jeff would serve to me and hit to me um, in the second game. So you do have to swap that from the first game to the second game and then back again in the third and fourth and fifth, etc. So there is definitely that um, changing of who you served or who you're hitting to uh, for the whole game. That's to just make it... Um, a bit fairer and uh, and more even. So uh, so make sure you're setting that up. Um, he also asked in his extended question. Um, so how do you decide who um, who or, or what happens in the second game? So in the second game, um, if my team served first in the first game, then Jeff's team decides who they want to serve first in the second game. So. If um, if they decide that Jeff's going to serve in the second game, uh, is going to serve first in the second game, then I have to return that because it's my, my turn to return from Jeff. So that's how that happens. And in the deciding set, that, that's, that gets really complex. So in the deciding set, if, um, if we're playing and Jeff's team uh, reaches five points or whoever, whichever team finishes uh, reaches five points first, then it's time to swap ends, but then you also swap the receivers, or who is going to return the next one. So, if um, if the score is uh, five four, um, and Jeff was due to serve to me, then he would serve to my partner in, for that next uh, for that next serve, and, and then continue from there. So you just swap the s- receivers um, at that stage. Swap ends. Swap the receivers. So pretty complex, but yeah, hopefully you understood all that. It is quite
0: complex, isn't it? But I think once you get the hang of it and understand it, it makes sense why the rules are that way. And I think they're pretty fair rules and and pretty good rules.
1: Yeah, they are. They they even the game up, you know, especially if there's one dominant player or you don't like uh, returning from a particular player. So, you know, each game is different. And, And you often see that that does swing the results um quite a bit from game to game
0: Mm, certainly does Um, and that's why doubles is so interesting if you haven't noticed it before yeah take a bit more notice each game a player will be receiving serve from a different person so yeah you might see them win easily one game but then lose the next because they have troubles returning their serve and then that's where it gets really interesting in the deciding set because half the game they're um, playing against the player they don't like returning serve from and half the game the one they do. So, yeah, really fascinating. All right. Now, John also has a question about doubles. He says, I would like to know why serving in doubles is so much less dynamic than in singles. So what is the reason for using a much weaker and easy-to-read serve when they can comfortably use their normal serves to win the point? Yeah,
1: so John um, <coughs> on the question sent a link of um, uh, four players playing each other, four Chinese players, and I think, I can't remember who it was, Liu Gagliang and a few others. Um, and you see there that they don't... So in, in singles, you know, they're doing this and they're doing the side spin and the top spin and the back spin. So in the doubles, they tend to do more just straight back spin. And that's um, a couple of things. One is it uh, just makes it easier for your... Partner on the third ball. So if you're um, putting more side spin and and there's you know changes in the spin on your on your serve, then the ball that comes back is also a little bit different, a little bit more complex. And also in doubles, it's really important to make sure that that serve is is um, really low and into a good position because if you don't put it in uh, don't get it low, the receiver has got only half of the table to cover and they're just standing there and they're just going to go crack. So, um, so yeah, so that's why they tend to just use mainly backspin and no spin um, in doubles, just a, uh, just a straight serve and serving it um, more to the center central area of the table. So just on the correct side of the white line, obviously, but more to the center of the table. If you serve it wide, then, um, uh, the receiver's going to play it really wide out to your partner. So, yeah, just a few double strategies there that just keeping that serve a little bit more simple. You're still, you know, a generating um, spin, but tends to be more just straight backspin um, and no spin.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting, Alice, because I think that at the lower levels, maybe um, where people aren't as good at returning serve, maybe you can just go for a big spinny serve that might be an outright winner. But as as the level gets higher and higher and the players are much better at returning serve, like you said, when they only have half the table um, to cover, they don't have to move into position. They're already right in position. Their return of serve is really effective. And because um, if you serve that, you've got to move out of the way to give space to your partner. Yeah. Anything that's a little bit high is going to really make it hard for your opponent because they're going to have trouble getting to the ball while you're the servers getting out of the way so yeah at that high level yeah definitely that's what you see like you said just the simple keep it low keep it short still try and confuse the opponent you know if you can confuse them and make them think there's heavy backspin when there's not spin or make them think there's no spin when there is heavy backspin then you're going to be in a good position for the point but yeah interesting to watch the different tactics at different levels in doubles
1: yeah, it is, and um, yeah, and that's why doubles does become a really interesting game, and there's, there's always different things happening, um, you know, for every two points, the whole game changes as well.
0: Yeah, it certainly does. All right, the next question is from Vishnu, who says, I used to play five hours a day, the morning and the evening, and I play basic skills of table tennis quite nicely. But if I take an interval for more than two days, I find it difficult to play even the basics. It takes me weeks to regain my game. Do you have any tips for Vishnu?
1: Yeah, so Vishnu, I think it's more about just being open and just allowing yourself to adjust. You know, often it can be a mental thing that um, because you're used to playing five hours every day, um, your body just gets used to that rhythm and if it hasn't done it for a couple of days, it it sort of starts to feel, oh, maybe I'm not going to be as good. You don't you don't lose skill that quickly. You don't lose skill after two days. So it's definitely what is happening here. So at the start of those sessions that you're coming back after two days, I mean, just do five minutes of just more controlled hitting just until you get the feel of it again. Uh, you'll feel comfortable pretty quickly and then just go into it. But, yeah, you really do not lose any ability over two days.
0: Yeah, it's good, to, it's good to just think about that logically and remind yourself that so that when you go out there, you can go, all right, I know I've still got this skill. I can do it. And, yeah, it's, it's amazing the, the tricks your mind can play on you, I guess, alloys.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, it's sort of – and as soon as you start to think more and more about it, you think, oh, you know, I haven't trained for two days. I hope I'm going to be good. Oh, i probably, you know, no good now. I mean, it's just a uh, self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? You just start to play badly.
0: Great. All right. So, Vishnu, remember, you cannot lose skill that quickly. Um, You've built up that skill by training five hours a day for that period of time. So take advantage of that fact. Um, And, yeah, I'm sure that just the right attitude will help you. All right, well, that wraps up show 252. Thanks, everybody, for watching. appreciate your support. Make sure you check out pingskills.com. And, of course, thank you, Alloys, for all your words of wisdom.
1: Uh, Thanks, Jeff, and we shall see you tomorrow for another show.
0: Bye. See you tomorrow.